how it lights my path, how it guides my way. And we'll read Philippians chapter 3 and we'll read from verses 12 down to 21. From 12 down to 21. We're missing Roger's favorite life verses. That was last week (laughs) in verse 10 and 11, but we'll start at 12. Not that I have already obtained it or have already become perfect, but I press on so that I may lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Brothers and sisters, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let us, therefore, as many as are perfect, have this attitude. And if in anything you have a different attitude, God will reveal that also to you. However, let us keep living by that same standard to which we have attained. Brothers and sisters, join in following my example and observe those who walk according to the pattern you have in us. For many walk, of whom I often told you, And now tell you, even weeping, that they are enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their appetite, and whose glory is in their shame, who set their minds on earthly things. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for a saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform the body of our humble state into conformity with the body of his glory by the exertion of the power that he has even to subject all things to himself. Amazing words. Let's pray for Henry. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for Henry. We thank you for the words that you've put on your heart for for us put on his heart for us this morning. We pray that you would fill him now fresh with your spirit and may he release them to us, Lord, knowing that they will accomplish what you've given them to him for. In Jesus' name, amen. And may he be blessed. Amen. Amen. Feeling really blessed to be here this morning. Forest Hill Congregation, you are in fine voice. That's got to be the loudest congregation I've heard this year so far. Say hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yeah, I thought that's what you would say. (laughs) It's amazing. It's amazing to consider the privilege of being a citizen of heaven when this is what the embassy is like. It's good news, right? You walk in here and you feel the flavor and the life and the atmosphere of heaven radiating through everything that the Lord is doing, even the birthday box. Hallelujah. As we put the, the table here with the bread and the wine, as we say the cross and the beautiful sacrifice and life of Christ is right at the heart, it takes us to a place 
of deep gratitude to the Lord. Amen. And it surges up just as probably the loudest bit of your singing was after that as a symbol of the celebration of being citizens of heaven with Jesus right at the heart of who we are. Say hallelujah. I thought you'd say that. You know, it's amazing to be part of God's people. And when we take in the reality and the truth and the incredible, unjust yet beautiful gift that we have as being citizens of heaven, we want to celebrate in a way that goes on and on and on. Do you know what? Celebrating being a citizen of heaven is good preparation. God, these are hard words to say. To get you ready for eternity in heaven. Am I right? Because just as the table of the sacrifice of Jesus was at the center here, in the worship of heaven and in the songs of worship that will sound a lot like Ian Marden, in heaven, there is a lamb who is standing as if slain at the center of the throne. And we gather around him, worshiping and glorifying him. Is that good news? Is your citizenship of heaven something that's just going to be a passport in your pocket? May it never be. (laughs) May it be something that takes over everything that you are. Something that makes you feel and know and genuinely be totally free from anything in your past that would hold you back. Amen. Being a citizen of heaven means that you're no longer a citizen of despair or a citizen of sin or someone who dwells in unbelief or unforgiveness, someone who dwells in bitterness. You don't live in any of those countries anymore. Sometimes with your passport in your hand, you've got to go in there to see someone else rescued, but that's no longer where you belong. And even when your mind and your memory starts to get messed up with those things, being a citizen of heaven means that you are wonderfully free. You are wonderfully free. You live with a hope of a savior, not just for your life, but for my life too. And for everyone else's life. And there is a hope of salvation that is available to anyone. Because being a citizen of heaven doesn't have a limited visa list. Say hallelujah. (laughs) There's not a set number of people that can get a green card for heaven. (laughs) Everyone is welcome. Isn't that good news? Isn't that what you'd love to take out into the English channel and say the desperation that you are living in that's making you take this risk with your life? There is a nation that you can get to that is way better than the south coast of England. It's Jesus. We want to see more of the kingdom of Jesus. The Lord Jesus wants it way more than we do. In his heart, he's desperate to see all belonging and being there. And he's made us and taken us into that place. And I do greatly apologize that we weren't able to look at the whole of chapter three today. It's really, it all sits together. And I haven't haven't got time to go into it all because you would have to miss your lunch. But really, as we do look back, those couple of verses, it's knowing Jesus that is at the heart of everything. You see, that is another incredible wonder of being a citizen of heaven. Am I right? I do wonder, is there anyone in this room who's met Rishi yet? Is there anyone? No friends of Rishi yet. No. Do anyone will? Maybe. I'm not sure. (laughs) 
But as a citizen of heaven, every one of us personally knows our ruler. Every one of us personally knows our king. Is that good news? Has anyone met King Charles? Anyone here? Any one of those? Okay, I thought I might get one of those because he's, you know, he's been in, you know, doing it a bit longer. Ada has. There we go. Yeah. She's just texting him now. Um, so, <laughs> but as citizens of heaven, you know the king. And you can text the king. It's called prayer. <laughs> in some ways, it's better as a video call. <laughs> because he gives you visions and he gives you encouragements and he gives you his voice to see the future that I hope for and long for, the future that we were receiving as we were singing earlier on. It's not something that is just far off, but it's something that is right now. Say hallelujah. We want more of your kingdom in this life. We're eager for it. Knowing Jesus means being with Jesus. Amen. You don't know Jesus like someone that you read a newspaper article about. You don't know Jesus like a neighbor who lives next door and you think, well, I do know that they don't weed their garden as much as I do. The relationship with Jesus is a deep one and knowing which is togetherness all the time. Where his heart is something that we can know. And as we come into this passage today, we're going to talk about the running and the laying hold and the prize. We'll come to all those in a minute. But first, I do want to just look back to some of those earlier verses, verses 5 and 6, because it's talking about some of the things that Paul used to draw his life on. If we're a people in this room who are reaching forward with a certain hope, not a, hope, not a, not a national lottery hope, <laughs> but a hope that says, I know and I trust and I believe and I draw all my life from this Jesus who is coming again. Paul is explaining to us that he used to have a hope. He used to have a life that drew on everything that was behind. He talks about his background, his family. He talks about how his parents were very diligent to circumcise him on the correct day and bring him up in the traditions. He's got a lot to say about his background. He's got a lot to say about his nationality. He's got a lot to say about where he came from and the zealousness that he had for that race that he belonged to. He's also got things to say about being zealous. He's talking about his character and saying, I was bold. <laughs> I was strong. I was rowdy. I, was not, I don't know if you know anyone like that. But um, he was dismissive of the kind of character that he'd had before he came into truly knowing Jesus. He even talks about his status. He says, I was a Pharisee. I was recognized. I was someone that people respected because of what I'd achieved and because of what they saw of my zealous life, of my nationality, of my background. And he strongly and scarily says all of that stuff that I used to build my life on is rubbish compared with, I can't hear you. That's better. <laughs> These are strong words. And now, and this is why you've got to have the whole chapter together. The reason he can say that is because Paul, along with me and with you and with everyone who receives it, he is a citizen of heaven. He's able to say, I am belonging to a kingdom that is eternal, a kingdom that is never going to fade away, a kingdom that is beautiful and wonderful, a kingdom that is defined by righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. You see, that's how 
You can know the life of being a citizen of heaven. You could discuss it. You can share in it. You can understand it. But more than that, you can receive it by the power of the Holy Spirit. And it's such, such wonderful good news. As we look back at that stuff, that old list of Paul's, actually really none of it, you can't really choose much of it, you know? It's very hard to choose who your parents are going to be. Once you're born, in a sense, that's that, (laughs) you know? It's quite hard to choose your nationality, and there are many people who try to change it and want to be in this nationality or that. And Paul very much says, I was part of this race of people. And he's got a lot to say about it. Very often we think about our characters, zealous Paul. Again, in some ways, maybe that wasn't something he could choose either. (laughs) Maybe if you think about your character today, what kind of person are you? Do you like the kind of person you are? Do you find yourself annoying? (laughs) Do you think, I wish I was like that? Do you find yourself envious? What's going on in your character? Actually, there are things that you can't really choose. The status and the way people look at you, the way people regard you in your job or your education, the way people look at perhaps the amount of money you don't have or do have. Actually, like Paul and like so many people in this world, we can build our identity on some of that stuff. Am I right? You find so many people these days who build their identity on the type of person that they are. They love telling you about it, don't they? I'm an extrovert, by the way. I'd like to just tell you that. So that now gives me permission to say whatever comes out of my mouth and, you know, offend you. But I don't care because that's who I am, all right? Love. It's that kind of stuff. Do you know what I mean? When someone builds who they are on their character. It's even worse with the, the status one. Do you know about those status people? Well, obviously, while, while I was studying for my PhD, of course, I did. And, and by the way, while I was, you know, buying this really, really great car. And the conversation and the identity is built on something of status. Am I right? The kind of person that says, well, obviously, obviously, I've got 100 more friends than you on Facebook. So my status is far higher than yours. People have identities that are built on those things. And let's be honest, it gets more and more irritating. (laughs) It gets more and more dangerous. It gets further, further away from Jesus when people's identity is built solely around their nationality. Am I right? And it starts to be something aggressive. And it goes very quickly from something that seems quaint and traditional into being something that's racist and ugly and damaging and marginalizing. It gets ugly when people's identity is totally based around hiding behind their families and in their family nature and in their line. And they say, oh, you know, what I have in you and in my family is far better than those around me. You know, when we build our identity on those things or a combination of those things, my friends, it looks like a foundation, but it ends up being a chain (laughs) around us because you're not fully free in Jesus. And actually, when we look at this passage that we're in today, where Paul has dismissed that stuff as rubbish, and we're a bit worried about Paul's mental health as he says that. <laughs> Say, Paul, are you going to be all right? <laughs> you've put aside your, your nationality. You've put aside your, your character, your status. You've put everything aside. And it's actually now in this moment, in these verses, that he begins to speak into how in Jesus, when we're fully free, when we're fully defined by being citizens of heaven, 
with a hope for this world that surpasses anything that we could imagine or dream of, then there is incredible beauty and life. There is an incredible joy that you and me are invited into today. We're going to pray about some of those things in a minute, but I want to just encourage you what they are. As we look in here, he starts to talk about the fact that in verse 17, he says, join in following my example. Observe those who walk according to the pattern that you have in us. He says, join me. I'm walking in this way as I follow Jesus. And I want to encourage you, come walk with me. Come walk with me. You know, that is an incredible definition of the church of Jesus Christ. Is that simply in our lives, in our relationships, in being the family of God, we simply say, come and walk with me. I don't have it all sorted. I'm not a perfect Christian. Obviously, me saying that is very obvious. But other people in this room who are far more perfect than me (laughs) are not a family of God that is tucked away inside a room sitting still looking after our own needs. Am I right? The definition of the church of Jesus Christ is saying, I'm following Jesus. We are a family on the move. Come and walk with me. The family of God is one that is on the move, that is going somewhere, which is fully and wonderfully alive. And actually, that is far more precious and far more beautiful. That's the family life that Paul now finds himself stepping into. And when we have life in church that starts to flow like that, that is going somewhere, that doesn't say to someone, ah, well, your dad was exactly like this, and those are the same problems that you're going to face. Your mom behaved in this way when she was your age, and therefore, that's what's going to happen to you. Do we want that kind of curse over our lives? <laughs> or do we want a blessing to say, hey, let's walk together. And if in my family I'm having issues this week, I know that I'm part of the family of God. And I can bring my family life into the family of God. And we can pray. And we can know breakthrough. And we can know healing. Because we're not just hunkered down, hiding and serving ourselves. Amen? We're a family that wants to grow. <laughs> We're a family that wants to see people born again. Is anyone with me? In the church, we celebrate that growing life. You know, it talks about the kind of lifestyle. If you look back a verse from where we've just been, let us keep living by that same standard to which we have attained. It's talking about a lifestyle there. Paul has said, you know what? My Jewish lifestyle that I used to have, There's loads I can learn from it, but that doesn't define me anymore. This Paul who was so deeply committed to the law, so deeply committed to what you eat and what you don't eat and who you sit with and who you don't. By the time we reach Galatians 2, he's telling other people off who are behaving the way he used to behave. He'd have been a cantankerous member of your pro-planning team, right? (laughs) But he does it. It breaks my heart when he says, Even Barnabas was carried away by their hypocrisy. That's only because my son is called Barnabas. (laughs) But he throws accusations at Peter and says, Peter, stop doing this. You're defining yourself by the lifestyle of being a citizen of Israel. You're no longer that kind of citizen. 
in Jesus. We are citizens of? Amen. <laughs> and that means that there is a new lifestyle, a new boundary in which we live. Amen. And it's not defined by where we come from or where we're born. It's defined by faith in Jesus. Amen. And if we're going to be those who have repented of our sins and embraced new life and new hope and forgiveness in Christ, then everyone is welcome. You know that zealous character of Paul's, the kind of zealous character when they had him with them in Jerusalem, it then said, and Paul was sent off to Tarsus and the church enjoyed peace. (laughs) Now you love those verses? (laughs) Because Paul's zealous character needed some work, right? It needed some discipleship, right? He was zealous for something before, and he's going to become zealous for Jesus. But actually, that character that he'd had needed to be remade and reshaped in Christ. And I want to say that the things that are in your character, the things that make you think, I wish I wasn't like this, and I wish I was like that, actually, you're no longer defined by those things. Amen? You know, while we're full of Disney movies and pop songs that say, you know, reach for the hero inside yourself. Gosh, where'd that song come from? That's somewhere in the 90s, isn't it? Gosh, terrible song. Delete that from your playlist. There's no need to reach for a hero inside yourself. It's M people, isn't it? That's what it is. 92, 93. So anyway, let's not get distracted by the music. The key thing is that we want to reach more and more into Jesus. Amen? And actually, in Christ, it no longer says that this type of person, those who are patient or, you know, those who are extrovert or those who are aggressive are those who are going to get far in their lives. There is room is in the citizenship of heaven for every kind of character. Amen? Whether you're loud, whether you're quiet, whether you're zealous, whether you're patient, whether you're hardworking, might be an issue if you're lazy. <laughs> I won't putting any fingers at Andy Cartwright. But the in Jesus, it says that it's an attitude that matters. Amen. It's not about looking for what's in there, but it's about choosing with an attitude that is for Jesus. Amen. We're not defined by simply what we can find inside, but we are defined by being people who choose Jesus. Whether we choose, are we going to live by the values of heaven today? Am I going to choose to be who Jesus says that I am? Then you're no longer a slave to the kind of person that you feel you are. But you are totally defined by the person that Jesus says you are. That's what it means to live in hope. That's what it means to be alive. And you know, with status as an identity marker for so many in this world. What Paul has to say to you is that you're just an enemy of the cross of Christ. Someone who wants to put themselves above someone else based on some kind of ranking that someone else has given to them has made themselves an enemy of the cross of Christ. The only status that I want to have and the only status that anyone who belongs to the kingdom of heaven should have is to say today, I want to carry the cross. Today, I want to carry the cross. Today, in this situation that I'm facing, where someone 
is belittling me, where someone is putting me down, where someone is mistreating me, I want to carry the cross of Christ. As part of the summer project on Tuesday, we were on the Woolwich Road near the New Life building, and there was a guy in a van and a guy on a motorbike, and he took a right turn, and the, the motorbike didn't take a right turn, and he scratched up the side of his van with the side of the bike. And uh, this was right next to the outreach, and uh, the guys on the outreach began praying, and um, I don't know, I somehow have a peacemaker anointing for breaking up fights. Um, I d- it always happens to me. Lots of fights happen around my life. I don't know why. <laughs> so we went in and we started to talk and we started to share with these two guys who were trying to kill each other. And, um, and we were able to break it up and we were able to bless them. We were able to get the police there in time and no one got arrested. Say hallelujah. <laughs> All the insurance details were transferred. Say hallelujah. <laughs> But more importantly than that is that something of the cross of Jesus was shown in that place. Amen? Because very simply, it is far better to take up our cross and to love and to pour it down. And do you know what? That is what Jesus has laid hold of your life for. As we come in on these verses now that we can respond to and celebrate, Paul is saying that I want to reach forward. I haven't completed fully what it means to be a citizen of heaven. I haven't totally done it yet. It's not complete. The work is not yet finished. Paul says about his life that I am, it's like an Olympics passage, this one, isn't it? I'm running. I'm pursuing. It's almost I'm reaching forward with my life to take hold of what it fully means for me in my situation, to carry the cross and to live out the life of Christ. And where he says, I have been laid hold of by Jesus, it's like Jesus has laid hold of Paul's life, taken hold of him, brought him into security and love and salvation in Christ. Jesus has got him. He's holding him. This running and this pressing forward is not about earning salvation because you can't earn your salvation. He says, Jesus has laid hold of me. He's got me. He's given me eternal salvation. He's given me a future and a hope to secure my life upon. But now, now that I have been taken hold of in that love of Christ, I now want to run to be able to take hold of what? He has made me to be. Are you with me? You're not running so as to get saved. It's not like the train is leaving the station. Do you remember the slam doors on the train? I used to quite enjoy being late for that train because you could run and jump on while it was already moving. (laughs) Great. Honor Oak Park Station. Great fun. That's not what we're talking about in this situation. It's not run so that you can just about get saved. Your salvation in Christ is secure. Say hallelujah. Your future and your hope as a citizen of heaven is secure. Say hallelujah. You got that the first time you repented of your sins and accepted Jesus into your life. As you got baptized, you had baptisms not long ago, didn't you? I love baptisms. We had baptisms at Belvedere last Sunday as well with a mobile baptistry. And the second person we baptized was really tall. And we created a tidal wave. (laughs) It was fantastic. (laughs) But it is in that moment of repenting of our sins 
that we take hold of something called salvation. But now what we're talking about is taking hold of something called the prize. The salvation you can't earn, but the prize is something we want to earn for the Lord. That's why it's so good that this is about citizens of heaven. We've still got a long time till the next Olympics. But there is that sense that every athlete that wins something, they do it for the sake of their nation, right? It's their national anthem that gets played. It's their national flag that they run around the Olympics. We only really watch the Olympics, don't we? That's the uh, athletics bit. It's the, the fun stuff. They carry the flag and they do it. And when we're talking about this prize here, living your life, running hard for the purposes of the kingdom, my friends, it's not about you being someone arrogant who's competing with someone else. Amen. It's not about running through your Christian life as if to say, oh my goodness, Leslie's a bit faster than me. I better pick up pace. <laughs> it's not about running and saying, oh my goodness, Bruce, he's way ahead of me. I better throw something at him <laughs> so that I can knock him over and beat him. This is not a race in that kind of way. Actually, a good way to think about running in this moment, a good way to think about going forward and laying hold of what I was laid hold of for is more of a cross-country kind of race. Anyone ever done one of them? In the mud? Hallelujah. Those are great fun. You always ruin your shoes, and you have to put them in the washing machine. You know that's yeah. But actually, the key thing that I want you to take hold of today, the key word that I want you to carry for this race and for this laying hold is that the things that the Lord has given you to lay hold of are completely unique. I'll say that again. You have been laid hold of by Christ in the same way as the person next to you. The same salvation, the same cross, the same Jesus. However, as you run, as you go, I'm wondering about running that way, but I'm a bit tired, is a different terrain to everyone else. The course that you run on and the things under your feet and the experiences that you are going through are actually different and unique to everyone else. And if you don't remember anything else today, remember this, is that that is what it means to try and lay hold of what Christ has given you. If you are wonderfully free, no longer bound by the way the world wants to define you because of your character and your nationality and your status, now you are running through those things on a totally different terrain. You know there is no one like you. You know your combination of character and background and job and role is, is different to everyone else. Did you know that? You are wonderfully unique. No one has ever done what you're trying to do before because you are you in your situation, on your street, with your family around you. For some of you, you find the character stuff really hard, but the family stuff's really great. For some of you, might, you might say, oh, you know, my, my family life's really hard, but I've got a great character and I love who I am. <laughs> you know, the things that you're dealing with and struggling with are totally unique, but you are a citizen of heaven. You have been saved and redeemed and laid hold of by the love of Christ. And this cross-country race, this terrain that you go through every day, you are sent back in to your life as a missionary for the citizen of heaven, as an ambassador for the citizen of heaven, 
with one of those number plates that has the special letter in the middle. <laughs> you seen those? They always park really badly. You are sent back into your life, your situation. You're even sent back into your very home as an ambassador for the kingdom of heaven, as a citizen of heaven to bring his light and his life and laying hold of what he laid hold of you for means to bring the cross of Jesus into that place. You know, we desperately need that in every part of our lives. We can get so complacent about the familiarity around us, right? We can think, oh, do you know what? My work life is okay. Oh, yeah, my home life, that's okay. That's good enough. Everything's going okay. And then suddenly when something blows up, we forget, oh, my goodness. (laughs) I should be praying for my workplace. (laughs) Oh, my goodness, I forgot. I should be praying for my family. I should be praying for my neighbors. But actually, deeper than that, I want to encourage you today. Forest Hill Congregation, citizens of heaven, you are sent out with his life. You are ambassadors for that kingdom. And actually, in the totally unique run that you are on, when we stand with the Lord Jesus in glory, whether it's when he comes again or whether you die before that happens, it doesn't matter. Let the Lord look at your life and say, this person, these lives, these ichthus brothers and sisters, they carried the cross for me. They carried the cross for the kingdom of heaven. They brought the love of Jesus into the lives of those around them. You know, it's not going to be the ones who look like the ambassadors of this uh, this earth, you know, who drive around Knightsbridge parking badly. (laughs) It's going to be those who carried the cross. You know, when Jesus comes again, and I'm going to ask Ian to come again now, if that's all right, to lead us in some worship. (laughs) But when Jesus comes again, when we see him, in his glory, when we know the fullness of the kingdom of heaven on earth, when heaven and earth become one and there is no longer any darkness or sorrow or crying or pain, when death has been fully done away and every tear has been wiped from our eyes, I want the Lord to look at me and say, Henry, well done, you carried the cross. You know, it doesn't matter about those that the world is going to celebrate because they stood up and had their picture taken. What matters in Christ is did you carry the cross? What matters in Christ is did you run? Did you lay hold of every opportunity to bring in the power of self-sacrifice and resurrection turn around? Amen? Because you know, bringing the power of the cross doesn't mean being a doormat. (laughs) Doesn't mean being crushed and staying down. But actually carrying the cross into every situation, the big ones, the small ones, the public ones, and the hidden ones. Bringing the power of the cross also means that you bring in the power of the resurrection. You bring in the power to take hold of a dark situation and say, here comes the light. When the enemy sought to crucify Jesus and destroy all of the purposes of God, it turned into the most wonderful moment of salvation for all time. You know, that power of the cross and the resurrection is for you and is for me because we are citizens of heaven. And you can sit here today and say, Henry, that's all well and good for you to say, but what about me? I say, what about you? What about you? 
You're not defined by where you come from anymore. You're a citizen of heaven. Let's just allow the Lord to speak into this. If you, you guys could play for us, that would be great. Because you're no longer defined by what you think is deficient in your character. You are a citizen of heaven. You're no longer defined by the things that you've done or what others have done for you. You know, the Lord Jesus is desperate to take hold of your life, to lead you forward. He wants to give you a prize. He wants to put a crown on your head. He wants to celebrate that you're a follower of Jesus. And you know you're no longer defined by all that stuff in the past. You are defined by the hope of the future. Our citizenship is in heaven from which we eagerly wait for a saviour the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform the body of our humble state into conformity with the body of his glory by the exertion of the power that he has, even to subject all things to himself. I want to encourage you now, if you want to stand to respond, you're welcome to do that now. If you want to stand to just welcome the Lord as a commitment to Him. I want to encourage you to stand to your feet if you're able and I want to pray this prayer over us that we would be those who know the exertion of His power to subject everything that we are to Himself. I want to encourage you to stand to your feet if you're knowing things dragging you back in your past, you're knowing things within your character, within your mind, stuff's going round in circles. You know, very often we respond as individuals, but we're going to respond together today. If you want to hold out your hands, you're welcome to do that. If you want to raise your hands to heaven, you can do that. Lord Jesus, all we just say again, Lord God, your word is faithful. Your word is true. We reach out to heaven this morning. Jesus, Jesus. Lord, I want to pray now, Lord, the power of the resurrection, Lord, through our lives. Through this room, Lord, we say, Holy Spirit, break every chain in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, break every chain in the name of Jesus. I want to pray for those who are under bondage, Lord, in their bodies in their hearts, in their identity, we say, Lord God, you carry the power to subject all things to yourself. And we take hold of the power of the blood of Jesus to set us free this morning, the power of the blood of Jesus to humble us, to discipline us, to draw us to our knees again. Lord, we say we love you. We love you, Lord. We love your kingdom. We love your kingdom. We love your reign. We love your glory. We love your presence, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let your living word abide in me so richly as I abide in you. Let your living